Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Monday, August 3rd, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace, they offer you Mongo databases, it's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Chicago Grooves, Dean Radcliffe. Nice. It should be like... Dean Chicago Grooves Radcliffe, right? Like, like a boxer. I'm in a bit of an identity crisis right now, Josh. <laughs> nice, nice. I know it's been a while. Like, um, you were on vacation. Rye's been crazy busy. I was actually out of town the last time I went to do one of these. And couldn't get a hold of anyone, so I was like, ah, we'll skip it. <laughs> hey, there's the train. So this week, uh, we're going to talk about a Flow Router 2.0. I hear someone's been working on promises. Promises, promises. Not making any promises. <laughs> Meteor hitting production. That one struck me as an odd time. <laughs> I, like I like it. Package check. Checking all the package check stuff. Checking. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. This is different. Package check. I haven't looked at this one yet. It relates to the other one. Well, it's, it's similar. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of check, check. <laughs> check, check. Yeah. <laughs> Adding social share buttons, Compose, and IBM sitting in a tree. <laughs> and uh, rate limiting in core. All there right. we are. So you get a lot of stories since we missed a week. There's yes. too much good stuff. And we'll just have to we'll have to move through them in a in a workmanlike pace. You yes. Know? So Flow Router, big kind of deal, right? Like there's been a couple of interesting things happening around Flow Router. One, Flow Router 2.0 came out. I don't know. This is an arbitrary number, yes. But at the same time, like I feel like they've put a lot of effort into documentation and that kind of stuff. It looks like oh, yeah, I'm looking at the comments and he's got like you know, what are the main differences between Iron Router and Flow Router? And so now in the comment section, there's like a link to a section that outlines those differences. And that's kind of interesting. Oh, good, good. The big one is, you know, he says router.current is evil. I love that. It's right there yeah. in, the, in the readme. Oh, considered harmful. Yeah. <laughs> may cause cancer in small children. I don't know. <laughs> I'm guessing, like, I haven't read all of the readme here. I actually just noticed this, so this is interesting. But the part that's harmful here, perhaps, is the fact that it's reactive and that kind of stuff. Like, that's going to be the, the core of it. Like, you, I don't think the router needs to be reactive. Like, it needs to run once when the route changes, and that's it. And if you rely on something else, you should be handling that in your templating system and not necessarily in your router. And so, like, I gave my Master Immediate class again this week, and it's actually becoming quite ridiculous how much I try not to rely on Iron Router. And, um, ah. you know, anyway, the, the link in the show notes goes to the Kadira blog. 
but there's a link there to flow router documentation. No, this isn't the link either. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Meteor routing guide. That's the one you want. So we'll make sure to put the meteor routing guide in the show notes. But this, this is actually really good. Like I, I spent about uh, probably 25 minutes kind of browsing through here and he does a really good job kind of explaining the uh, philosophies and core concepts of flow router and how, how it works and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was pretty pleased with uh, reading all this. So. Yeah. And there was an interesting comment in the chat room where people were, you know, someone said, do you remember when iron router saved the day by existing, you know, just by, by being a router when core hadn't put out a router. And then someone else said, you know, I just got into meteor. So no, I don't remember. that." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's all about what's, what's good today. Well, but see, they're even showing their age because it didn't, iron router didn't necessarily save the day. It was just a better version of the router that just existed before that from Tom Coleman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which, I, I actually had, didn't really get into router to me. Uh, iron router was the first big guy on the scene for that. Yeah. He, he was, he was the second. Uh, and honestly, like it was a big refactor from the existing router. It's not a bad thing, but I think, you know, iron router takes heavy influence from the rails router and like it, it definitely served a purpose, but it sounds like, you know, we get this mention in the, this offhanded mention in the forums from Sashko that uh, if he had to pick today, he'd go with Flow Router. And, you know, like the, the entire thread in the forum was just all about, should I wait for Meteor's router? Should I just keep using Iron Router because it's in so many packages? Or should I like look at using Flow Router? And to have Sashko chime in and say, you should go with Flow Router, to me that has some interesting implications. Yeah, we know that uh, the people have asked for routing in the core. And they've said they're going to do it, right? And so I think this is either, hey, we're going to try to merge flow router into core or we're going to have a router that's compatible with flow router so it's not going to be as painful for you to switch when ours comes out. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading that comment as. And maybe I'm reading too much into it and yeah. I am like, sorry, Sashko, but <laughs> you said something and I'm going to take it to mean something. Right. And, and I think when two different tools have very different philosophies, it's unfair to put them in direct opposition to each other. Although the Meteor community, you know, MDG will probably choose one, but Flow Router is a minimalist kind of router. For me, it was actually interesting because of Iron Router kind of taking on more things. It was interesting that the idea of a route included, you know, what data comes when you're on that route. Uh, this is, of course, before template-level subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it encompassed more things than, for example, if you were building a Rails app, you'd put up a route, but you lacked so many things once you just put up a, a route in Rails. So to me, Iron Router was interesting in having thought holistically about routing. And now uh, Flow Router comes along saying, you know, you don't need all that here. We're just going to focus on the core bits. And I think that's a legitimate philosophy. Yeah, I agree. The interesting piece to this entire approach is the fact that, you know, it, it, Flow Router works with both Blaze and React out of the box. And I think that's maybe why the core team is yeah. kind of pushing people that way because now yep. they're supporting, you know, React and Angular and all these things with the next version coming out. So, yeah, it makes, yep. makes sense to me. 
Yeah, React wasn't big on the scene and template level subscriptions weren't big on the scene and now they are. So maybe this this fits into the ecosystem of today a little bit better. Yep, definitely. Cool. All right. Well, promises. Tell yeah. me about them. Oh, man. So I was really psyched to, to do an update this week uh, to the promise package to basically address the following problem. When you have helper methods or reactive methods in general, in general, they work with synchronous value. So basically, if you remember the candies now and laters, you have some values that are now values. You can just grab them off the page or you know from a reactive var. And then there's later values, like you do an HTTP call somewhere or a Meteor method call. So basically, a lot of the reactivity stuff didn't work well with later or asynchronous kinds of values. And Sashko had put out a package called Reactive Method that attempted to address it. And I looked at that and I you know, wanted to, to, to build on that. And so I got to a pretty good point um, just recently and upgraded the documentation today about you know, how you can basically tie asynchronous functionality into reactivity with this promise package. And, and, and it's related to, uh, but different than the news that Meteor themselves has released a promise package to do things like polyfill the uh, capital P promise into you know, non-modern uh, browsers and give you some other nice sugar available on the server. Yeah, and that was part of the uh, dev shop announcement, right? Yeah, yeah. I maybe take a different stance to how you should be getting data back. And so for me, me, like using methods are a way for me to say like, oh, hey, go change this data. But at the same time, I should be subscribed to that data and the changes should come down through the PubSub to me and I get the reactivity for free. And so specific examples, like in the Mastery Meteor class, I teach people, like we do the um, follow button. And like whether you're following someone or not, like that comes in through your user data. Uh, and when you click that button, it fires a method. And then after the follow happens and the data is inserted, like you get that update to your user account and like the button flips over. And it's actually pretty fast even in production. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't be any faster to wait on the return value of a method because the data is conveyed over the same pipes. But what this does is, is allow in any class of asynchronous functionality to be used in any reactive context. Of course, your mileage may vary. It's very new. I haven't tested it in every context. Yeah. But so, you know, yeah, you're right. Subscriptions are a way for um, you to get data back. But what if you're doing an HTTP call to some other site? Oh, well, so I got your answer there too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got another tutorial that I've been teaching at conferences and it shows off mapping and I may even a little bonus for people watching. Let's see if, Oh, I took it off my phone. Um, I'll have to get it back on my phone for next He's week. You're going to hold up the phone to the screen. I was, I totally was. And you'd, you'd see a horrible thing, but um, <laughs> I, I put together, it, it does mapping and like it finds your current location using the phone and then it, it pulls up a map around you and it gets the bounding box on the map and it looks up, it makes an HTTP call out, right? To, it does a meteor method that makes the HTTP call to Google local to get bars and restaurants around you. 
And then all I do with that information is actually insert it into the database. So I'm using upserts and using Google's API ID to kind of do the upsert. And so then I'm, I'm like caching these places in the database and I've just got a pub sub that's happening uh, for the map. It looks at the bounding box and it says, find me all the places within that bounding box using the 2D sphere or whatever. Like I'm just doing the upserts and then the data is getting down to the client as a result of that. And it's, it happens pretty fast as well. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't about speed. It's about uh, ways of combining things. So for example, you might not want to write every call to the database. And so I think there are use cases that don't fit uh, neatly into the database pub sub uh, scenario. And we'll see, you know, what, what, what people can do with this. You know, honestly, like the one thing I could think of off the top of my head that that could be interesting for is early on, I made a slide, a piece of slide software and like uh-huh. I could make slides for a Meteor demo and I use Meteor to build it obviously because I, I thought it was, it'd make for a good interactive demo. And like when I hit next and you were on the URL, it would advance your slide screen. And I, it did feel maybe a little bit bastardized to try to shove all that into a collection that was shared between everyone. And I just had like, you know, it, it basically it was a singular item collection that was tracking the page that we were on mm. and I, I could update it, but then they would, they would all advance. So, yeah, well, no, that, that, that doesn't strike me as, as too perverse. Um, here's the exa- an example that I was using where in the package kitchen that we talked about before, mm-hmm. it, would, it would ask you for the URL of the demo site. If you're, you know, you're going to author a, a, a demo site to demonstrate your package. So you don't know whether that site is available, right? So I wanted to be able to do like a remote HTTP call to see if it got a 200 that that site is available. Or not. I see. Right? So the person is going to be guessing at names until they find a name that isn't taken. And that is all client side for one. Mm. Uh, and and no, no database or, or collection required. So like, what do you do with the, the chain of... Uh, you know, actions that occur on that case. Yeah. yeah. And so like you could do it now, but you have to issue a callback, right? To the, to the call, the meteor method call, meteor.call. Right. And uh, callbacks uh, versus promises, they're effectively the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier to do uh, a chain of things when you're dealing with promises uh, than with, than with callbacks. But they're different than fibers. Fibers are over here. They run on the server only. But on this side, in this corner, you have callbacks versus promises. And I think uh, the callback thing was put into Node just as a way to get coding in V8 on the server off the ground. I don't think... Well, I, think, I mean, JavaScript itself has this notion of callbacks, right? Like you can oh, yeah, yeah. through the history of it, and it's always been there. And so, you know, I think that's why it kind of went that route. Yeah, but, the, but it kind of wasted the return value of the method. You know, just pass me in a callback and I'll, I'll, I'll do stuff for you. So, you know, when you, when you yeah, get deep enough into those uh, nesting things, you know, everything's all, all wacky. So I think promises uh, sorted out a bit better. Nice. Yeah. Who, uh, who wrote this package? Oh, see, that's that identity crisis. Uh, he calls himself Genius. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's me. My GitHub is now Denius and everything, but I'm still Chicago Grooves in many places. So. Nice. Yeah. All right. So Meteor Hit Production. <laughs> I love the picture on this thing. Yeah, let me see that picture again. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, these are the, oh, it's the yeah, the Earth, the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. way matter into space yeah it's funny yeah. hate it when that happens yeah pretty sure we'd all be dead <laughs> <laughs> this was an interesting post uh he talks about mup and kind of the things that uh who was this david yeah hello i don't know i probably said that way wrong and i'm sorry man you know it's a good post it's worth reading the thing that he talks about that I think most people don't talk about is setting up a replica set, right? Like uh -huh, most, uh -huh. most people punt to, say, compose.io or something like that, which has different impl implications, in my opinion, than you know running your own replica set. Yeah. So I think maybe you need to at least feel somewhat comfortable with Mongo if you're going to run a replica set, but it's, it's all you know, kind of in there. He'll, he'll definitely get you on the right path anyway. Um, I would say overall, it's a good article. Uh, he talks about, he's got a database migrations package based on collection two that he's been using. So I, I like this stuff. I like reading how other people are handling things. I should probably like, I keep saying I'm going to write a blog post about Crater and like how it's hosted, but I don't know. It's not super interesting. It, like it's not all that far off from what this guy's doing. So I'm glad yeah. he wrote something up. This is definitely worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of uh, ops people, they want to know uh, a little bit more about what's going on um, when you set up hosting. And, you know, just, just use this vendor is not always, like, the, the right option for, for people. That's how I found it was before. Yeah. Um, also, yeah, it was interesting. He, he made a new uh, Collection 2 migrations package. There's also a package that is under development by OK Grow for migrations that got less left off this list. So I'll, 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 you know, send him a, a message on that and also just kind of try to see like, you know, uh, maybe migrations like routing is a thing that, you know, we're going to want the community to standardize on um, for guidance. Yeah. That would probably be good. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like interesting to me because simple schema does help you specify what your schema looks like. And I know like, I don't know, for me, something still feels off. Like I don't want to specify a schema, but most of the time, like that's not true. It's just getting started with an application. You don't want to specify your schema maybe, but then as you get deeper, you're working with other developers. You want to start specifying that migrations are an important part of that because sometimes we change our mind or we need more data or, you know, something has to happen. Yeah. And I'll say, like, in 10 years, like, I don't think I've ever been on a project where I haven't needed migrations. So, yeah, interesting stuff. So, you know, there's been the, the base it all on packages uh, discussion, right? Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that, that's never going to die. Bundler in the Rails world was, a, like, a really interesting tool for solving dependencies and everything. And it had some uh, features like finding out if any of your dependencies are out of date. Also, you know, when we talked about the uh, gravity, package gravity, mm -hmm. um, it's important, you know, that now the recommendation is that you specify specifically 
um, which version you're depending on if you're a package author. So that means that if you specify at 2.1 and 2.2 comes out, users of your package will not automatically be upgraded to that, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to detect that difference, the package check utility, um, which is not a Meteor tool, but it works on Meteor packages. I've run it a few times. I, I found, uh, I expected more output, but I will say that I didn't, uh, you know, really dig into it too much. It did report on a trumped up case that I did. It did find an aged package, but uh, I think there's room to grow in this community, especially with so many people advocating, uh, you know, build your entire app out of packages. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll need tooling to to see, you know, health checks, essentially. So this is yet another one. Like, was it Pete Corey uh, who made the check check thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just basically there's different kinds of health checks that you can do uh, security wise and, you know, dependency wise. And so yeah. I think, this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. It's important too, because uh, I'm pretty sure there's no way to do like just upgrade one package other than to remove it and then re-add it. Yeah. Specifically. Because if I you type like Meteor update, it'll update everything. And then I think, you know, the, the thought to me is like, I would type Meteor update, uh, you know, I'll need uh, auto form, like it should just update auto form, but that's not the case. It actually updates everything in your app. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I could see that being kind of interesting because you can like this utility, you can put into your build process or something and say, Hey, you know, your dependencies are out of date. Like we're not going to let you release until you do something about that. And like I actually ran into this yesterday. I was working on, it's actually almost a purely package-based app. It's a, a, kind of like an addendum to uh, letterpress that I've been working on with Sam for our testing class. And it's just an admin interface that hooks into the existing database. And I just used Yogi Ben admin and uh, markdown autoform or autoform markdown and was able to like get everything working kind of out of the box and user accounts. And so like, there's like three files and I've written like no HTML and I'm able to fully admin this letterpress site. So mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to me, but yeah. you know, we ran into a situation where Autoform markdown was expecting an older version of Autoform, and Yogi Ben admin wanted the newer version. And it's like, you know, they're button heads and you got to figure out which one you're going to go with. And yeah, would be nice if uh, more people kind of toss this package checker in and, and give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe even made it something like a velocity plugin or something that can run inside your app and kind of let you know, you know, reactively when new versions are published. <laughs> you, I bet you could do that because you can use velocity on packages now. So I bet it wouldn't be that hard to do. Well, someone get on that. Yeah. Set it on a podcast. Now it'll be true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the next one, social sharing. This is just a little how-to kind of article, blog article. Sorry. And it's, it's like, it's not anything spectacular or crazy deep or hard to do. Like you're really just returning a few things and I'm pretty sure, like, looking at this code, a lot of this is uh, taken from share, the Share It package, which I've done a terrible job at maintaining myself. 
which if anyone wants to help, like I just need help testing to make sure the latest version works and uh, I would release it. But he just kind of walks you through like getting these sharing buttons onto the page. I think it's interesting, but it's really only half the battle when it comes to social sharing. And the other half is you have to have the metadata on the page. Yeah. Not just in the link in order for someone like Twitter to pick it up specifically. And so uh, if you go check out like the screenings.io that Sasha just put up like a week ago and you find one of those videos and share it on Twitter, you'll actually see like it puts a Twitter card there. That stuff's really not that hard to do. And that's what the share it package does. It kind of gives you both sides of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, the painful part is that you got to rely on Spiderable to be that go between and uh, it's still not the best solution. We looked the other day, like on my ghost blog, my average response time on DigitalOcean, when Google bots come along is like 50 milliseconds. And when they come along and hit crater, it's somewhere more like 450 milliseconds. Also mm. on DigitalOcean, actually hosted on a bigger machine, crater, excuse me, crater is, but Spiderable kind of being in the middle just isn't, the fast solution that I would want it to be. Uh, and that's the one that uses phantom JS to render it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little naive in the fact that it just sits there and watches for the bot request to come in, spins up a phantom process, grabs a page and shoots it back to the bot as a compiled HTML page. But the problem is, you know, I, I think I've said it before, like Google comes in in a swarm of 13 bots and they start slurping down your site and like when 13 phantom JS processes spinning up is really actually kind of terrible for performance. And, and so like you just, you get slow performance or like your box runs out of memory and that, like that'll cause crater to lock up or something. And so like I, we still need something better. I've been um, looking at prerender.io and so they've got paid, plans hmm. but they also have an open source version so i'm thinking about trying like just setting up a five dollar digital ocean server with the open source version and i can just direct those queries there and it'll handle caching and all that kind of thing so yeah yeah maybe a performance geek who's released a routing package will uh you know address some of the server side rendering stuff yeah he will in the next one <laughs> In the next one. Right. Yep. 3.0. Supposed to have uh, Flow Router 3.0. Should have SSR. And what's this news about these two uh, companies coming together and sitting in a tree? Yeah. I was a little shocked, honestly. I was a little, a little taken aback. Um, I had no <laughs> idea that this was coming down the pipe. I say kudos to them. You know, to me, like as long as the services don't change too much, and it sounds like they have no intention of really doing that, they just want to be in the hosting space, it could very well be a good fit, you know? Like I, I would rather the entire team spend their time on building good services rather than fundraising, and that's basically what this type of announcement does. doesn't sound like an acquire hire, so I don't think we're going to see Compose shutting down from what I read of the news so yeah, I think this is this is probably a good thing. The only rumbling I've heard is that they're talking about changing their low-end plan. And this isn't related to the IBM news, but yeah. uh, they're going to charge like $36 uh, as the starting fee for their new, or for their op-log option. 
uh, and then it'll be $18 per gigabyte after that. So prices may go up a little bit there, but yeah, I don't know. Mostly a good thing. Good, good. Uh, I'm just noticing at the bottom of the page, Kurt Mackey, founder and CEO of Compose. Current inventory includes four kids, one dog, one cat, three chickens, and one Venus flytrap. Nice. (laughs) All right. Well, kudos to them. Hopefully, this will help them offer even better, you know, uptime, all that kind of stuff. So. Last story. Last story. Something coming soon as a part of Meteor 1.2. Do we know when that's coming out? Is there any release date on that? No. Yeah, so uh, 1.2 coming out, I think, will be like sometime in – if I had to peg it, I'd say August Dev Shop. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the most likely date. Um I, it could be September, but based on them having a preview release out and that kind of thing, like that's, that's what I'm thinking it's going to be. August okay, cool. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. Like they just like dropped rate limiting straight into the framework. So there's like this new package that you can uh, rely on called DDP rate limiter and you can add rules kind of like out at, uh, allow deny rules. And you can just say like, oh, hey, for this method, uh, check that it has this user ID. And you can say, only let this rule work for five messages every thousand milliseconds. And so you're able to just kind of like put a dampener on what they can do. Yeah. And, and it's not in the blog post, but that, that type method, I've been told, is um, you can also say a uh, publication as well. So you'll be able to rate limit your publications. Cool. So is this more uh, protective or is it supposed to implement like uh, API call rate limits? Well, so DDP is kind of like your API. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I I would say it's, it's kind of both like it's protective for sure. So right now, like you could go flood a telescope app and uh, send a bunch of requests for like thousand post subscriptions and like overwhelm the server. And so the idea is there that you could uh, restrict that by user ID or by client IP address or connection ID. There's just like a number of things you can tap into there and yeah. restrict that from happening. So yeah, that's pretty, inno- it's a little harder. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it's innovative. I haven't noticed anything like that in any of the other uh, uh, web frameworks that I've used. Uh, I've, I've, you know, done it protection at like a higher le- layer, like an, you know, Nginx or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a a lot getting baked right in. Yeah. Well, and I think you can, right? Because you've got both sides. Like uh, when you think about a Rails app, like they don't, they're not necessarily like they've never done anything specifically to make your API building easier. Whereas I think like building an API when you're doing PubSub is kind of central to the idea of a Meteor application. Yeah. Um, Yeah. and, And so like, since they kind of own that, uh, core piece, they're able to do interesting things with it. Uh, same thing as like adding Cordova into the build process. Like this is why we like Meteor people because <laughs> they can do awesome things like this. Yeah. So very cool. This, this definitely got me excited about 1.2. So I'm uh, wondering how I would, uh, how I would do a, a test that shows that rate limiting is on something to stress test a DDP connection. Uh, you could use tools like a 
patchy bench or bench press, or there's a couple other things you could use. Yeah. 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 And we'll talk next week. We'll talk about an article that came out like towards the, I guess the start of this week or right at the end of last week. Uh, but they talk about comparing the performance of the different uh, front ends and they use bench press in there. Okay, cool. You could use something like that. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Most excellent. Yeah. It's good to, to have you back and to get the podcast out. I'm excited to get back on track here, especially with school starting for my kids. Oh yeah. 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 Well, it's uh, in investment in community day at uh, okay grow. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, loving, loving doing it. Had some pairing with uh, Michael from uh, the patrons channel earlier today that went, you know, just better than expected. Nice. Yeah. And, I like um, Michael. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I guess just lobbing me a softball, aren't you? If you're interested, you can go to patreon.com slash meteor club. Uh, that's P A T R E O N.com slash meteor club. And you can, uh, for 10 bucks a month, you can join the Slack chat room. And that place has been pretty, pretty amazing. I would say it's definitely been life altering for a number of people, I think, including you, right? Cause now you work at okay grow. Yeah. Like people um, getting, I, I, there's only so long I could watch other people get full-time meteor jobs before yeah. I had to uh, <laughs> make sure nice. I, I was in there too. So yeah, yeah. having fun. And uh, as always, uh, Modulus is the sponsor for the entire year. So check them out, modulus.io. And uh, I don't know, I'm hearing rumblings. They got big things coming for Meteor. So who knows? Modulus Galaxy. We'll see what happens. (laughs) All right, dude. All right. It's good talking to you, Josh. Yep. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club.